All right, good morning. That was loud, wow. Good morning, happy Easter. Come on, one more time. He is risen. I don't know if you've heard the good news or not, but the tomb is still empty today. It's still empty today. And I have even better news. The same Christ that rose from the dead 2,000 years ago is actually still alive right now. And he's still seated at the right hand of God the Father, still praying for you, still watching you, still having conversations with people all over the planet. He is risen. And that is good news. Amen? If you watched the commercial just a moment ago, that is for Alpha. Some of you maybe walked in today and you walked in with more questions and answers. Maybe you're curious. Maybe you're seeking. Maybe you didn't grow up in a household of faith. Maybe you're trying to figure all this out. Maybe you would just like to sit down with someone and have a conversation over some food and talk about it without being argumentative, without being judgmental. And we've been doing Alpha around here for a lot of years. And we have seen so many people come from diverse faith backgrounds, but they're interested in the person of Jesus. And they just want to have a, a conversation with someone who's not going to argue and yell and, and get into a, a heated discussion and disagreements. They just want you to listen to them. And so that's what Alpha does. And so Alpha starts this week. And if you want to be a part of that, we would love it if you were a part of Alpha. You can sign up online. Also, next Sunday... Besides Resurrection Sunday, next Sunday is my favorite Sunday at New Life Church because we're going to have water baptisms. We are going to see people, probably hundreds of people, go into the waters of baptism. And if you've never been a part of Baptism Sunday at New Life, you see the cross right there in the floor. There's one there and there's one over there. It will be the most sanitized water in the city. And the people who are baptizing you we could probably launch them into space because they have so much protective equipment on, I'm just telling you. So we've already done a water baptism uh, last fall. I think we baptized 257 people. We had no COVID outbreaks, okay? No COVID outbreaks. So if you're watching online, a lot of you have been watching online and maybe you've made a decision. Maybe you're at a place of decision where I am ready to say yes to Jesus. I promise you your next step is water baptism, and there'll be hundreds of people here next weekend cheering you on. So bring your family, bring your friends, we'll have a t-shirt for you, we'll have a, a towel for you to get dried off, and so come ready to take the next step next Sunday. All right, turn in the Bible to Luke 24. Luke was a doctor, and Luke really understood people. And Luke tells a story about what Jesus did right after the resurrection on a road to Emmaus. And I find this such a fascinating story. I find even the whole resurrection, the whole crucifixion resurrection story is obviously a very dramatic story, but it seems like to me that the death of Jesus was more dramatic in its telling than the resurrection. I mean, the death of Jesus was the most dramatic story. It was powerful, earthquakes and darkness and Roman soldiers and, and people crying and, and the whole earth really coming to a standstill as Christ was put to death. We talked about that on Good Friday. But we really don't know what happened inside that tomb for the resurrection. What we do know is that the Spirit of God came into that tomb and resurrected a very dead body. Jesus was literally dead. He went to the place of the dead. He died a physical death. And we know that the Spirit came and hovered over him, just like the Genesis 1 story, where the Spirit came and hovered over the dark of the deep, and a, 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 a creation story was started. We know that the resurrection story was an embodiment, a second creation coming. We know that. 
we, we do have angels and we have some of those things, but it seems like death can be really dramatic. But sometimes hope can be right in front of us and still be hidden. And this is what I find fascinating about this story, this road to Emmaus. Jesus comes alongside two people who are seeking hope. They are needing hope. They need courage. They need something. And Jesus kind of ambles alongside them and starts answering their questions. And I just find this fascinating because, in my opinion, Jesus should have been up to more important stuff than this. I mean, think about this. He spent 33 years on the planet. He has just been crucified. He has participated in the most glorious event in human history, the resurrection. I would think if I were in charge of God's itinerary after the resurrection, now they didn't ask me for my advice, but I would assume that he would be out healing pandemics, solving political crises, bringing peace to war-torn countries. I mean, something big, right? Your first thing after the resurrection should have been a gigantic event to establish your reign, to make sure people knew you were God. You know what he does? One of his first things he does after the resurrection? He walks alongside a couple who are arguing, and they're hopeless. And he kind of comes alongside them and has a typical conversation. Now, this is a fascinating story to me. Luke chapter 24, verse 13. Now, the same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus. It's about seven miles from Jerusalem. I don't know how long it takes you to walk seven miles, but let's just assume you're a normal human being, and it's about a couple of hours, three hours, two hours, unless you're, you know, uh, Brad, and then it's an hour, okay? So we don't, he's, but most of us, that's a two- to three-hour walk, seven miles, leisurely walk. You're not walking for fitness. You're walking to get somewhere. And they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, this is one of my favorite stories, Jesus himself. Would you say those two words with me? Jesus himself. Now, it's important because this is not an embodiment of Jesus. This is not just a type and shadow of Jesus. This is the literal, physical person of Jesus comes alongside him. Just kind of appears out of nowhere. Kind of creepy, quite honestly, right? You're walking along with your wife, having a conversation, and this guy you don't know walks up beside you and gets involved in the conversation. But they were kept from recognizing him. They didn't know him. Now, we know from other passages of Scripture that these were people that probably knew Jesus. They had been following Jesus. They had knew the miracles of Jesus. But it says that they talked and discussed. And the Greek language here is fascinating because they were obviously conversing and disputing. Every married couple in the room knows what this is like. You're conversing we don't argue at our house, we just converse and dispute, right, Pam? We just converse, we have arguments, and then I agree with Pam, and everything goes away. This is the way it works in my house. All the married men in the room say aloud, amen. amen. So they were talking and discussing, conversing and disputing. They were arguing back and forth about what was going on, and I love that Jesus joined them on their journey. And the reason I brought up Alpha before I started this message is because some of you are on a journey. You're in a place right now where you're wrestling, you're talking, you're having, you're, you may be disputing, conversing, disputing. And this is good news for all of us that Jesus wants to join you wherever you are. Jesus is willing to come alongside you no matter where you are in your journey. 
Pick it up now in verse 17. He says, so Jesus, I love this. Jesus is being a little coy. Jesus is being funny. I don't know if you know funny Jesus, but let me show you funny Jesus here, okay? He's funny. He's got a sense of humor. So he comes alongside them and says, hey, what are you talking about? Now, he is the subject of the conversation. They're talking about his persecution, his crucifixion, his resurrection. And Jesus says, what are you talking about? And they stood still, kind of surprised by the question. And their faces were downcast. They were discouraged. He says, and one of them, Cleopas, who's the husband, most likely the other person was his wife because they end up at a home later on, so it's probably his wife. And one of them named Cleopas asked him, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem? Have you not checked Facebook this morning? Have you not looked at Instagram? Have you not turned on the news? Everybody's talking about one thing right now. Jesus was crucified, and now they can't find his body. And that's all anyone's talking about. Are you only a visitor? Do not know the things that have happened here in these days? And I love Jesus again. What are you talking about? What things? What are you talking about? Tell me more. Give me more information. And he says about Jesus of Nazareth. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. And the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. I mean, they're, they're heartbroken by this. But we had hoped. I want you to stop here and pause and put yourself in this story. I want you to ask yourself this question this morning. What did you hope God would do? What were your hopes for this past year? What are your hopes for the next year? Because their hopes had been disappointed. Their hopes had been dashed. They had not had their hopes fulfilled. And they say this to Jesus. We had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. Notice that Jesus didn't immediately interject and did not correct them, did not fuss at them, did not make them feel bad. He didn't argue with them. He didn't yell at them. Jesus listened to them. We had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. In other words, God's had plenty of time to fulfill all of my requirements for him. That's what they're saying. And in addition, some of our women amazed us. Now, I want to pause here for a moment because all the women in the room, I want to tell you, you know who preached the very first Easter message, right? Women. I love that Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. And I don't know if the other Mary has ever gotten over that. She probably needs some therapy. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. The less important Mary, the less famous Mary. Hey, but her name got mentioned in the Bible, okay? So Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were the first ones to go into the tomb. In fact, I want to say this. The best thing that ever happened to women was Jesus. Jesus celebrated, Jesus honored, Jesus lifted the voice of woman unlike any other person in human history. And it says, and so they were recounting what the women had told them. Some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said that Jesus was alive. But then some of our companions went to the tomb because they didn't believe the women. Let's just get this right, okay? They didn't believe a word the women said. And these guys, all the guys in the room, we don't believe. So they had to go see for themselves. So they go to the tomb because they didn't believe what the women said. And some of them and their companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. All the women in the room said, I could have saved you a trip. Come on. 
We know this. Our wives have saved us many trips. And they found it just as the women had said, but they did not see. Notice that in this passage that they had downcast faces and dashed hopes. Because Jesus had disappointed them. Let's be honest about this story for a moment. They were disappointed in the way things had turned out. Last week I asked you a question. I don't know how many of you remember it, so I'm going to remind you. I asked you a question that I, I wanted you to take this week and thought, think about. Is the Jesus you want the Jesus that you really need? Now Jesus is doubling down and asking the same question again. So not only was that a question for Palm Sunday, it's a question for Resurrection Sunday. It's actually a question for this Sunday. Have you put your own requirements on God and set yourself up for disappointment? Have you prayed passionate, fervent prayers to God only to have him answer them in a different way? Have you re put requirements on God that you have found him unwilling to fulfill? If you have, you've set yourself up to be disappointed in Jesus. And that is not new to the human experience. Throughout human history, people have been disappointed in God. Because we don't come to God on our conditions. We don't come to God on his conditions. He's God, we're not. His ways are higher than our ways. His ways are better than our ways. So what if God turns out to be different than what you've imagined? I can promise you this, he's better than you think. He's more good than you think. He's more gracious than you've probably imagined. His forgiveness is wider and deeper than you've imagined. So we don't have a full idea of God. God's bigger than us, and you can't put him in a cage. You can't write him into a box. You can't put him into a formula. He's probably going to be different than any of us have imagined. But what if God does things differently than we've imagined? And this is what's disappointing to this couple. They're disappointed that it didn't work out the way they thought it would work out. And there were two prominent theories. I've told you this before, but some of you may have heard this for the first time today. These are two prominent theories about the Messiah. And these are actually two theories right now that are wrestling themselves out in the church even today. Some people want Jesus to be the military political leader that would defeat the Romans and establish Israel as a geopolitical nation state. Some people have that hope and desire today. But actually, he's better than that. He's greater than that. He has a better plan than that. He's broader than that. He's more powerful than that. Because Jesus has always intended to be a spiritual Messiah who would turn the hearts of people back to God. If you want to know what Jesus' assignment is today, it is to turn the hearts of people back to the Father. That's the one thing Jesus has always been about. You cannot change his assignment. That is his mission, and he's really good at it. In fact, he's the only one that can do it. He's the only one that can turn our hearts back to God. Now, keep, stay with me in this story, because the story gets really fascinating. Verse 25. It says, he said to them, I love how Jesus really comforts them at this point. Jesus really comes in to coddle them. He doesn't want to trigger them. He says, how foolish you are. <laughs> now you see his humanity, not only is he funny, but he's kind of serious at times. How foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Now before we gang up on Cleopas and his wife, all of us in this room are guilty of that. 
all of us have been a little slow to get it, right? Come on, somebody say amen. We, don't, we didn't figure it out overnight. It took us a while to get, get into the game. And listen to what he says. Did not Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, so he, he takes them back to the Bible. Remember, these were Jewish people that he's talking to. Cleopas is a Jewish man. And they have been waiting on a Messiah for two to 3,000 years. The hope of being redeemed, the hope of, of a Messiah coming had been in their psyche, in, their, in, in all of their genre, their music, their songs, their poetry, their scriptures. Everything was talking about the coming Messiah. So he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. I want to point this out to you that maybe you're not familiar with the Bible, but you can open up any page of the Bible, especially the Hebrew Testament. I'm talking about Genesis to Malachi, the Hebrew Testament. You can open up any page of that Bible. You can find Jesus on every page of the Bible. I believe that. You can come to me. Open up a page of the Bible to me at some point. I can show you that the scriptures have always been pointing to the person of Jesus. Jesus is the central figure of the story of the entire Bible. The entire Bible has been pointing to Jesus. And as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted if he was going to just keep walking. I'm going to go a little further now. It was getting dark. This is, this is actually a, a fairly dangerous road after dark. But he acted like he didn't want to come in. He wasn't, in other words, listen, it's very careful. Jesus was not imposing himself on them. This is very important for you to catch this morning. Jesus is not going to force his way into your life. Jesus is not imposing himself on you. He would like to be invited in, though. And he probably dropped some hints like, well, I'm going to leave you here, but I'm going to go down the road and get something to eat. I'm, I'm, I'm going to look for a hotel. He probably dropped some hints. And so sure enough, they, they took the bait, they took the hint, and they said, they urged him strongly, hey, we have an idea. Come stay with us. So they invited Jesus into their house. And he said, for it's nearly evening, the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. Listen, Jesus at some point wants to have more than just a conversation. At some point, Jesus wants to be invited in. He actually wants to be invited into the table so you can have longer conversations. See, there was two types of conversations in the Jewish genre. There were conversations because the Shema talks about a father and a mother walking alongside your children. Those were good conversations, healthy conversations, good conversations, but the more intimate conversation actually happened over food. So this was more of a casual conversation. Walk alongside me on the road. Let's have a casual conversation. But when the conversation became more serious, it always involved sitting down at a table around food that's where the more serious conversations happen, and this is exactly what just happened with this couple. This couple just invited Jesus into their house to sit down, and the conversations are about to get more serious. So when he's at the table with them, notice that he waits until he's at that place. When he's at the table with them, he took the bread. Now stop here just for a moment. Let's just imagine today that you meet someone total stranger in your neighborhood. You've never met them. They're new to the neighborhood. And after a couple of hours of knowing this person, you invite them over to your house tonight. Let's just imagine this happening for you, okay? You've known them two hours. You invite them to your house. 
They're sitting at your table. You know what? And here's what they say. I want you to sit down. What you're cooking is not that great. Let me cook the dinner tonight. That's rude, right? For the guest to jump over those social barriers is rude. So for Jesus to sit down at their table and to reach over and take their bread was a breach of protocol. It was social, it was rude, okay? Let's just be honest, it was rude. But Jesus is showing them something. Jesus sits down at their table and he reaches over and takes the bread and he says he gave thanks for it. He holds the bread, he gave thanks for it. He broke it and gave it to them. Now there were three times in the Bible where Jesus did this. The first time that Jesus took bread and broke it and blessed it and gave it to people was at the feeding of the 5,000. It was when somebody was walking by with a, a, a Happy Meal and he took it from them and he gave them the fish and he gave them the bread and fed thousands of people and there were 12 basketfuls left. But that's the first time he broke the bread, blessed it and gave it to the people and it multiplied. The second time that Jesus did that were just a few nights before at Passover with his, with his disciples. It's the, it's the reason we celebrate the Lord's table. He took the bread, he broke it, he blessed it, he gave it to them. And this is the third time in the Bible we hear of Jesus doing this. Took the bread, broke it, blessed it, and I want you to see what happened in verse 31. At that moment, when Jesus took the bread, he broke it and gave it to them, their eyes were opened and they knew who he was. They recognized him. And then I love this. I just think Jesus is messing with them at this point. And he just disappears from their sight. <laughs> Can you imagine that? He didn't have to do that. He just disappears. Where was Jesus? There was Jesus. I just recognized Jesus. Now he disappears. He's playing with them. But he's also reminding them that he's God. That he's not just a human companion. He's actually God. And this is Jesus reminding them that they have been in, in the presence of deity. And they disappeared. And then they ask each other, were not our hearts burning within us while we talk with us? See, this is what happens in the process of knowing God. Let me just explain something to you. Before you will ever say yes to Jesus, you're going to have encounters with the Holy Spirit. Some of you have not yet said yes to Jesus. I understand that. You're on the path. You're on the journey. You're walking. You're exploring. You're, you're asking questions, but something is compelling you to keep asking questions. The, that's the Spirit's work inside of you causing you to be curious, causing you to take the next step, causing you to keep pursuing, causing you. This is the Spirit's work moving you toward Jesus. He says, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and he opened the scriptures to us? So let me ask you a question. Why was Jesus breaking the bread? Why did Jesus take that, why did he reach over the table and take the bread? Because up until this point, he had been a guest. But now, the guest had become the host. And this is what it means to keep walking after Jesus. He, he's happy to be your guest for a while. He's happy to walk alongside you. He's happy to have conversations with you. But at some point in all of our journey, we have to decide, is Jesus just our mascot is he just an historical figure that we admire? Or is he Lord? Is he Savior? Is he the one that I'm going to follow? And Jesus reaches over and takes the bread and says, 
I'm no longer content just to be your guest. I have come to redeem you, to restore you, to be the host. And Jesus may be our guest today. And I'm happy that he's your guest. But at some point, he wants to be the host. And notice that he blessed it, and he broke it, and he gave it. And this is why every Sunday we come back. We're going to have church next Sunday too, by the way. And next Sunday, you know what we're going to do next Sunday? We're going to make a big deal out of Jesus and the resurrection. And mark your calendar. Whatever Sunday you show, tend to show up here in May, June, July, we have church all year long. And every Sunday, do you know what we do? We come together, we worship, we pray, we hear the scriptures, we come to the table of the Lord because we know how much we need our eyes to be opened. Every week we tend to have our eyes dimmed. Our heart becomes sad. Just like these people, if we're not careful, our hearts become downcast, we become discouraged, and that's why we have to come together on a regular basis because we want our eyes to be opened. We want our hearts to burn within us, and we know that that requires us regularly coming together, hearing the scriptures, receiving the sacraments. And what happens along the way when we, when we commit ourselves to that process, he gives us a new way of seeing. And this is my prayer for us every time we come together on the weekend. Father in heaven, give me first a holy imagination. Re-engineer me, refocus me, realign me. Help me, Lord, to pay attention to the right things and to cast off the wrong things. In fact, let me just tell you today, the greatest miracle today for any of us is when we recognize that Jesus has been with us all along. Jesus has not abandoned any of you. I want you to hear that. None of you have done enough bad things for God to abandon you. That's good news, by the way. That is such good news. For those of you watching online, there is, there's not one person who has become too corrupt for God. God is, so loves the world that he gave his only son. So notice what happens to this couple in verse 33. It says they got up. Now remember, it's late in the day. It's dinner time. Or in the South, we call it supper time. It is already, they've had their last meal. And it's, they're, they're tired. But when they realize that Jesus has been walking with them, when they realize that Jesus is the one that's been answering their questions, notice what they do. They got up and they walked the seven miles back to Jerusalem. That's 14 miles in a day. That's a half marathon. On a, on, a, on, a, on a bad day. And they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem, and there they found the eleven and those with them assembled together, and they said to them, it's true. It's true. The Lord has risen. He's appeared to Simon. And then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Listen, New Life Church, when Jesus becomes real to you, you will be compelled to go tell other people. If Jesus is just a good person with good teachings and an historical figure, I understand why you would keep that information to yourself. But for me, he's the resurrected Christ who has found me and saved me and set my feet on a path. I have to tell you about him. I'm compelled to tell you about him. I'm not telling you about Jesus because it's my job. I'm telling you about Jesus because he is very real to me. I talk to him. He talks to me and he wants to talk to you. Would you stand up with me this morning? In just a moment, we're going to sing a song. 
to prepare our hearts, to shape our imagination to come to the Lord's table. And we're going we're gonna to break bread. And quite honestly, it's the worst piece of bread you've ever had. I just want to set, I don't want to disappoint any of you. But the bread you're about to have is the worst bread that you can pot, but it's completely sterile, which means it's tasteless. <laughs> but here's what I love about those little packets that we open every Sunday. I, I don't like them. But even when it's the worst thing possible, God blesses it. It's actually a reminder of my life right now. This is not what I would choose. It's not what I had hoped for. I know there's something better. Fresh baked bread would be better. But even when it's small and insignificant and tasteless, God comes and blesses it. In New Life Church, I want to pray a prayer with you this morning. Some of you, your hearts are burning. Your hearts are ready. You are it's not something anyone's done to you. It's the Spirit's work inside of you. The Holy Spirit is the one drawing you toward Jesus, nudging you toward Jesus. You say, what, what keeps, why do I keep hearing about Jesus? Because the Spirit is not going to give up on you. And I'm going to pray with you this morning. And if you're here today, I want to make it very easy. Listen, these prayers sound very simple because they are. It's not in the complexity of our prayers that we're saved. It's in the simple belief that we're saved. You don't have to pray extravagant prayers, complex prayers to get God's attention. You know, what get God's, you know what gets his attention? Believing prayers. Believing it. So I'm going to pray a very simple prayer with you today. If you're watching online, you can pray right along with me. And if you find yourself praying this prayer with me, praying along with me, maybe it comes out of you in different ways. Maybe you find yourself using different language. That's fine with me. There's not a secret formula. What you have to do is ask Jesus to be Lord. So, Father in heaven, we're so grateful for your resurrection. We're so grateful that you did not stay in the tomb, but you rose again just as you had promised. And the same spirit that raised you from the dead is right here with us in this room today. And I'm asking now around this room for those who are not following Jesus, but they're, they're ready. I pray that they would pray this prayer and believe it. The Father in heaven, I cannot save myself. I have tried and I have failed. My family can't save me. My friends cannot save me. But Father in heaven, I believe Jesus has come to save me. And I choose today to follow Jesus with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my imagination. And I choose today to follow you every day going forward. Lord, when I'm imperfect, when I'm doing well, when I'm struggling, I'm going to follow Jesus. And so I need the Holy Spirit's help. I need you to fill me with the Holy Spirit. I need you to come alongside me. I need to have conversations with you. And Father, I thank you that you're right here with me, that Jesus is right beside us. So I welcome Jesus right now as Lord of my life. And I pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Can we just thank the Lord for people who prayed that prayer with us? Can we just welcome them and say thank you to them? And next Sunday, if your next step is water baptism. Tell your friends. I, tell your friends about it. Tell your friends. I, I made a decision on Sunday, and I'm going to get baptized. Come with me and celebrate with me. Next Sunday, we're going to do that. I want you right now just to prepare your heart. I don't want these to be a song on a screen. 
I want this song to be a prayer that we pray together, that we lift up together. And let your heart come alive today and let your heart be prepared as we come to the table of the Lord. Let's sing this together. Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid crown, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are still, when striving cease, my comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand. Oh, I stand. Sing together in Christ alone. In Christ alone. Who took on flesh, fullness of God in heaven's pain, His gift of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones He came to save, till on that cross as Jesus died. For every sin on him was laid Here in the death of Christ I live Oh, yeah, I live There in the crowd his body She's 
about your bread. It requires a mechanical engineering degree to open, so I'm going to give you a second. <laughs> take the top, take the bread, take the cup. Stand with me. I love this is the power of Christ in us. What we're receiving is not some religious ritual today. I don't have time for that. I don't have time for dead religious rituals. Those things have passed away. What we're holding in our hand is the power of Christ that wants to reside in each of us. Father in heaven, we thank you so much. On the night you were betrayed, you were with your friends. You were with your brothers, the ones who had walked with you, who had witnessed your miracles, and they were about to go through the darkest season of their life. And before you sent them off into the darkness, Lord, you took the bread and you broke it in front of them. If you got it today, I want you to break that little piece of bread. Just break that with me. And the reason we do that is to remind us that it was the broken body of Jesus. So, Father, you broke the bread. And you blessed it. And you gave it to them. Would you take the bread with me now? Father, you took the cup that was right in front of you and you, you drank from it first and you passed it to your disciples and you said, as often as you drink of this, remind yourselves that my grace and my forgiveness will always be there for you in abundance. New Life Church, if you need grace today, would you take the cup with me? Amen. Can we just thank the Lord for good news this morning? Can we just lift up our voices? Just begin to give Him praise. Begin to thank the Lord for forgiveness, for goodness. Come on, sing this song one more time. Let's sing it one more time together. There in the ground His body lay Light of the world by darkness slain, then bursting forth in glorious day. church if this is your first Sunday this is a good place I'm told almost all of us here are very nice people and I just want you to find a place of connection if you're new today right out in the lobby we have a place called guest central and all our nice people are out there 
So you want to meet some nice people, they're right there. We'd love for you to connect. And if you're interested in Alpha, go to the website, alphacos.org. Be a part of Alpha. Come back next Sunday for water baptisms. We're so grateful that you're here. I want our altar ministry team to come, all of our pastors and leaders, elders, if you're in the place today, come down. These people love to pray. And you can ask them to pray over anything. In fact, the greatest tragedy today would be to leave this place needing prayer and not getting it. So we're a praying church. We would love to pray with you today. So come right now. You're not bothering me by stepping out right now and letting us pray for you. We're so grateful that you came. Can I just pray over you as you go on this Easter Sunday? There's places for you and your families to get photos out there. Take your time. Enjoy the Sunday out in the lobby. Go and have a brunch. Dads, buy something expensive today. No cheap lunches today. Have a great day. Let me just pray over you as you go. Father in heaven, we bless your name. We thank you, Jesus, that you're alive, that the tomb is empty. And we go forth today as resurrection people in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great Sunday. Happy Easter, everyone.